And welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel, and this is a show where we get to talk about sports, we get to talk about business, and we get to talk about everything in between today. Oh, wait, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, got to remember that part, right, Jason? Five-star review on Spotify, like and subscribe on YouTube, five-star review and say something really nice about me and my friend Jason here on Apple Podcasts. I have Jason Denon. He is, an, he is the author of Eight Days Till Sunrise. He is a triathlete, a skydiver, outdoor enthusiast, all-around great guy. Jason, how you doing today, man? I'm awesome. Thanks for having me. Pleasure, Jason, is all mine. I told you I went skydiving once. We'll get into it. My experience, probably a little different than yours. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. But, Jason, first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? Man, because it's a test. You know where you stand one way or another. If you're running and you run a marathon, either the clock doesn't lie. You ran three hours. You ran four hours. The result's the result. Uh, if you're playing team sports, your team won or you lost. So it's a great way to measure yourself. So there's nothing better than doing that. Yeah. I believe in what doesn't get measured can't be managed, right? The only way you can get better at really anything is to understand where you stand in the grand scheme of things. As you said, whether that's running, whether that's on the scoreboard, what is it about testing? Were you like a really good tester growing up and you just kind of want to keep subjecting yourself (laughs) to that? Like, what is it like? Why do you like the test of sports? I guess. Well, it allows you just to see where you're at and, and what improvements you can make, what you're lacking in, what you're, you know, you're not lacking in. Um, and it gives you, you know, an ultimate goal to get to where you want to get to. I mean, if you have that, you know, race coming up on a certain date, it's not moving. It's coming. So if you're hurt, you're in, you're injured, you're doing great. It doesn't matter. That's that's the date. That's the cutoff time that you can't change. And it's time to, to, to you know, see where you're at. See, see what you improved on maybe from the last time, uh, or maybe you got worse, um, you know, it, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's just a, the goal at the end, I think is what motivates me to train or do whatever I, I need to do to get to that race day or game day. I, I respect the heck out of that, man. A lot of people, uh, kind of float through life, avoiding tests, Flo- float through life, really trying to avoid goals. Um, I don't really understand it. I set goals i set very lofty goals uh one thing about goals you got to read them if you don't read them or write them down then they're just kind of in the ether a little bit you got to remind yourself about what's going on appreciate my friend rob cressy for reminding me of that i guess what are some of your goals what what are you what are you trying to test yourself on a daily basis weekly basis monthly basis just to see kind of some of the stuff you got coming up yeah so i mean right now with with the the book that i just wrote is to reach as many people and help people that are struggling through whatever they're struggling through in life kind of share my message Um, so get whether the book or speaking to people or, um, you know, trying to just help them through. Cause I think a lot of people out there are struggling. And I think that's one thing we all have in common as human beings is at some point we're going to struggle. You don't have, you know, whatever that may be to you, um, you know, and you're not alone and sharing, you you know, I, a lot of times I used to never share my struggles and maybe that was probably to my detriment and realizing going through what we'll talk about later, you know, about the book and the accident I went through really, I had a responsibility to share the things I was going through in life to help other people. So it's really spreading that message. Uh, Sports wise, I'm still biking, still running, uh, climbing the occasional mountain and rocks. So, um, you know, I'm always looking for something to uh, to test me and uh, put me in the hurt zone and see if I uh, if I still got it. So good, good for you, man. Yeah, not uh, the hurt zone is not my favorite place to be. I, I hop on this Peloton every once in a while, um, <laughs> pretty much like five days a week. I try and make sure I'm staying consistent with it. And yeah, uh, 
Sometimes my legs hurt a lot afterwards, but that's you gotta you gotta embrace it. You gotta really get into it. Can't really say I'm climbing too many mountains, unfortunately, but it sounds like a lot of fun. So I'm glad you get to do it. So let's let's get into the conversation around the book then, right? Like that's that's why we're here. I want I want you to help share your story. Your goal is to expand and get in front of more people, man. How awesome is this that I get to help you do it? That makes me feel good. That makes you feel good. If we can affect just one person through this conversation, I will consider that a win. Hopefully we can affect a couple more and then the network effect starts but talk to me a little bit jason we have the book eight days till sunrise um big skydiving accident mm-hmm. some stuff went wrong i guess you tell me talk to me about the 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 idea not the idea um the unfortunate event that then led to this book to allow you to help many 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 people along the way sure so um i had been an experienced skydiver, a couple hundred jumps. It was an ordinary Saturday, went out for a trail run, came back, headed to the airport, got two jumps in that day. And uh, on the third jump, I was coming in for a landing. I was 150 feet off the ground. And all of a sudden, and I live near the mountains in Colorado. So a huge wind comes off the mountains, picks me up and slams me forward directly through a, a cattle fence, a wire fence, and then to the back of an airplane hangar uh, going like 30 miles an hour. So um, I hit it and blacked out. Uh, They called the flight for life helicopter. Um, I hit so hard on the left side of my body that 10 of my 12's ribs broke, impacted my heart, and my heart basically exploded out of where it normally sits called the pericardial sac, which is just protects your heart. I'm not a cardiologist, but that's my best definition. But uh, it ended up on the right side of my chest, all twisted up. Um, Went into, they flight for life me to the nearest level one trauma center. Uh, emergency surgery, life-saving surgery. The doctors would later say that um, they had never performed that surgery on anyone before to fix their heart because no one ever comes in alive with that injury. Um, So eight days in a coma after that, um, woke up from the coma, three and a half months in the hospital, uh, had to relearn to walk. Um, Then my doctor said, you know, you may never run again. And um, one day short of the one-year anniversary of the uh, crash, I raced in a triathlon to prove that to myself and um, kind of as a gift to the people that had helped me that, hey, my arm worked, my legs worked, my heart worked. Um, so the story kind of goes through that. And then uh, it also talks about, um, you know, what do you do with a second chance of life when someone, you know, when you wake up and say, someone te- your doctor tells you, well, you shouldn't be alive. Like, well, man, there's kind of some responsibility that goes with that to uh, to do more than what you're doing and, you know, reassess, reassess your life and what path were you on before and what path should you get on. So. I respect the hell out of that, man. That is an incredible story. Did you go over the reason why it's named Eight Days Till Sunrise? Did you say that? You didn't, I don't think. No, so eight days of sunrise just talks about the eight days in the coma. So um, that morning when I'm when I went on the trail run, I saw the sunrise and um, where I live, there's there's something called the flat irons, these big rock faces, uh, beautiful sunrise reflecting off there, super bright. And then the coma was a really dark place. Um, literally and figuratively, the lots of nightmares and things like that you went through. So it was really a dark place for those eight days. And then when I opened my eyes for the first day of the coma, um, the sun's coming through my window of the ICU. So that was the first uh, sunrise I saw again after waking up. And then the doctor's over me and he says, you're lucky to be alive. And then I kind of put my hand up and gave him a little bit of a high five and said, hey, thanks. And he kind of looked at me like, "Mm." 
Uh, I'm not sure he gets a lot of high fives from people waking up from comas, but uh, he got one there. So I don't know why, <laughs> it was, man. It was more, an interesting grat- experience. Yeah, more gratitude. Why not? If someone said, hey, you, you're lucky to be alive, like, yeah, if I can move my hand, high five is probably one of the first things I'm going to do. Yeah, or, or fist bump. Nice and easy. So I, I like your style, man. I like your style. And so so I, I'm very yeah. interested in the coma piece for a second. I didn't realize, like, sure. Not that you were conscious, but like you, you have memories. I, I, I don't even know what you'd call them at that point, but like you have recollection of actually being in the coma. Oh, absolutely. So, um, you know, I'm not an expert on comas, but I was intubated. So they put me into that coma to prevent me from, I guess, moving around and okay. it re-injuring my heart and, and whatever the case may be. So f- for me, what it was is um, very vivid dreams the whole time. Uh, I mean, hundreds upon hundreds, and I'm not someone that normally uh, remembers their dreams, but these, I I mean, to this day, I could tell you, you know, ex- exact dreams. So all of them kind of had the same theme in terms of uh, I was in. I knew I was in bad shape, even though I blacked out when I when I hit that building. I really know what was wrong with me. But in 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 the coma, bad shape. No one wanted to help me. They were just leaving me for dead in all these different dreams. Same kind of theme, and. Uh, to me, it was kind of a test or a temptation of, well, did I really want to live? And you're going to have to make that decision before you know what's wrong with you. So do you want to go back to the life that you maybe weren't super happy with and do something with it? Or, you know, no one's going to know if I just gave up and died because they would just hey, I died from the injuries. But I knew what was going on and I was going to keep fighting. So, um, yeah, I was kind of tormented by dreams until it got to a point where I was just like, I've had enough of these dreams. Uh, I'm getting out of here. And that's when I opened my eyes was the next memory after that last dream. Um, and then the doctor said, hey, you're that lucky to be alive. So That is intense, man. I had no idea that that's kind of how it works. So gosh darn. Uh, thank you for, for doing that. Yeah. And, and I appreciate it because, again, you're here now to affect, affect and impact many lives. And I do appreciate that very much. I wish we had more more uh, more good people like yourself on planet Earth because we all got a story to tell. There's always a way that we can impact others. So, wow, that is intense. Didn't realize that piece. So appreciate you letting me know I could ask you all these questions because that's definitely what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, so a little bit of PTSD, so, you know. Yeah, about that, bud, but I, I do appreciate it. No, it's good. You have All good. You, you're coming out of this coma. As you said, you kind of have this life, and now you you get this second chance. I guess what, what, was, what were some of those initial second chance thoughts that you had were saying like, okay, shit, like, all right, let's, let's, let's keep going, not do this again. Right. But let's keep going. What are, what are some of those initial thoughts that you get? Like, oh, you know, I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to do like, what what are some of those things that are going through your mind initially? Yeah. Well, you know, initially it was, and my, and my sister at the time was sitting next to me, uh, my, my, my hospital bed. And she's like, you know, this is, you didn't live for no reason. She's like, there's a reason. And I was like, well, I was like, that wind hitting me at 150 feet, which is like the worst place it could have hit me because you couldn't turn away from anything. Because if you turn at that altitude, you'll dive your parachute directly in the ground that I probably would have died. So basically, when that wind hit me, I had about five seconds of landing. I couldn't do anything. So I was like, yeah, that wind hitting me at 150 feet couldn't have been a coincidence. Like there, there was a higher meaning than just, you know, could have hit me at 2000 feet and nothing would have happened. Um, so going with that, I was like, man, what what's what am I going to do with this? And, um, you know, when I started telling the story, because everyone that would come in the hospital room and when you're in a hospital, 
you you meet a lot of people because there's so many different shifts with nurses or CNAs or whoever comes in there. And um, especially when I was in the room myself, they would by myself, they would come in and, and ask. They were kind of apprehensive, like, is this too soon? And I guess they made the decision it wasn't too soon. I don't know. They didn't ask me that first, but uh, they would ask me about the accident. And um, I realized kind of the, the effect that it had on people just by telling the story. Uh, and even the good part didn't happen. That Well, I guess survival was the good part. But, I mean, I didn't even come back yet. I was still just laying there and broken. And it was like sharing the story uh, allowed other people to open up about whatever things they were going through in life. Um, and at first, I, I, you know, at some point I was like, man, I'm kind of tired of telling the story because, it, you know, I kind of give myself PTSD every time I was doing it laying there. And then I realized after a while, I was like, wait a minute. What I'm noticing is the reaction that people would give when I would tell the story. I was like, it seems like in some way it's helping someone else just by just telling the story. I was like, maybe that's what I should be doing. Uh, because if it's having this effect on, you know, someone that's coming in and just asking what happened and I just talk for a couple minutes and they, they start sharing their struggles. And I was like, oh, there, maybe there's something to it. And it took me a little while of, you know, laying in a hospital and, and, and just laying there to kind of go, mm, maybe that's the path. Maybe I should be sharing it um, with other people and maybe it could help other people. Um, and th those were kind of, it came slowly, but, um, but I think by the time I got out of the hospital, I was like, no, there's, I think there's something to this and there's this responsibility that goes along with it. So. Yeah, whenever, you know, you, you as a, as an outside person, you hear about some of these stories, right? We just had the very extremely unfortunate event over in Turkey where, you know, we had that uh, Turkey and Syria, if I'm not mistaken. I apologize. My geography yeah. is terrible. But, um, you know, we had all those earthquakes and right you hear it's very unfortunate but then you hear the incredible news of you know they pulled this person and that person out after however many days right and you hear that and you feel it and unfortunately because it's on the other side of the world it's kind of it's at arm's length but if i run into somebody and i have a conversation with someone that's like yeah no i should definitely be dead like two days ago zero reason why i'm still here that that's gonna hit home that's gonna like someone's gonna sit down and be like I, I could be that guy, right? Like maybe it's not a skydiving, but it could be, you know, anything else that happens in life at any point in time, right? So by by doing that, it allows people to realize there's always a second chance. There's always another opportunity. There's always something else that can be done. Maybe it's in your control. Maybe it's out of your control like your event was. But the opportunity to take advantage and really put forth what you want in your life, I think is one of the most important things that people can take from a story like yours, which, hey, just because, you know, you didn't have that skydiving, just because I didn't have that skydiving accident doesn't mean I can't go through life saying, damn, why don't I try and infect more people? Why don't I try and, you know, reach out and help and do whatever I can to be, be, be of service to others? Because maybe, you know, maybe I just got lucky and didn't have to go through, you know, thank you. I didn't have to go through that skydiving event. I could have just heard the story and been completely affected by it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it, it, I think it's weird. Sometimes people will, will, will like, you know, they break their finger or something. They go, you know, my finger really hurts. And they're talking to me and they and they kind of say, they're like, oh, wait, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. It was only a finger. I know you went through everything. And I was like, no, no, no. You're allowed to talk about your broken finger to me. I don't think less because you only broke your finger. I was like, it's probably better you only broke your finger instead of your whole body. But, uh, you know, they got to apologize. Like, you don't apologize. It, it hurts. I get it. You know, you went through something tough. You talk to me about it. I, I, I welcome you to talk about it. You know, it, it, it helps you go through it. 
to, to bounce off someone else. Most people need a sounding board, man. You're 100% correct. Like, it's just nice to talk to somebody about whatever is going on. Because as you said, everyone's struggles are different. Where you came from, your experiences of life, that's what kind of gets you there. So through, you know, you wake up, you start having some of these thoughts. Absolutely fantastic. When, um, when rehab comes around, when the however many months of surgery and having to relearn how to walk again... Mm-hmm. Uh, so this must have just been awful, <laughs> like relearning how to walk. You know, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't move my arm, and I'm like, "Damn, that sucks." <laughs> and then you fall back asleep, right? Like, think of how having to relearn to walk. It's just such a foreign concept to anybody that's just been doing it for so long, right? So, with all these awful, awful, awful struggles that you went through, what was that like? Like, what are, what are some of the things that you're thinking? Who are you, mother effing? Like, why did I have to do this? Like, how are you dealing with and coping with? Okay, you went through this awful accident. Now you have to like wake up, and now you have to just relearn how to do everything again. Would have been nice to just go through the accident and be able to do everything, but no, you're not lucky enough, Jason. You get to relearn how to do everything, go through all this rehab. That that part must have been almost as bad as the accident itself, I assume, right? Um, I mean, it gives you a whole appreciation of, of things you never think about, right? I mean, when I went to the rehab hospital the first day after, so there was about 10 weeks where I couldn't move at all, just lay in the bed, that's it. And uh, first day of the rehab hospital, they're like, okay, you're going to have to get into this wheelchair. And I said, okay. So I, I, so you have to kind of wiggle your way to the edge of the bed and you and I couldn't use my legs still because um I couldn't put any weight on it because of the injuries and so you're so you're trying to drag yourself and I realized the first time I tried to sit up that I couldn't sit up and like when have you thought about trying to sit up yourself besides probably being a child and and you have the same problems because you're like you don't ha- I don't have the strength I can't even sit up I was like I'm trying to turn on my side and I'm like I can't even turn on my side um so it's humbling and um you don't take it for granted anymore. You're just like the first time um, I stood up, I was just like, oh, it was like a glorious feeling. You're just like, you know, they, they put the wheelchair to the edge of these like parallel bars to kind of steady you if you want. And they're like, all right, stand up. And uh, it had been three months. Um, and uh, I wiggled to the edge, put my feet down. And you would have thought I was, you know, squatting like 600 pounds because my legs were shaking like out of control because like you know when you don't use your muscles for a certain amount of time like they completely wither away and uh so i stand up and i'm just like i pop my hips out and i'm just like whoa this is like how it's to be 510 again after instead of you know sitting in the wheelchair and uh yeah in the first couple steps it was um you know it was just like super shaky legs and take a couple steps they bring the wheelchair down so uh, ever since that uh, happened, you're just like, there's there's not another day I want to go by without walking. Because, um, yeah, you're just like, it's a completely different perspective kind of on the world or, you know, um, and uh, yeah. But and oddly enough, um, you know, I, I would say like everything you, you, you learn in life contributes to everything you're doing. And um, even though skydiving broke me a little bit or a lot it was the way you want it whether, whether what, the way you want to look at it um so when they brought so they when they gave me the x-rays on my lower body um it was uh so they bring me back to the hospital because i had to go somewhere else to get them and so um i knew the the news was going to get back to my therapist and uh so i'm sitting down at lunch eating food and then they go and they're like do you do you 
do you want to try to walk today? And I was like, do you want me to try to walk now? I was like, yes, let's go. And it kind of felt like, so you, you get a certain feeling skydiving when the plane gets to altitude, the door opens and you're like, all right, now, you know, now it's start ready to go out. And this is when it really starts. And I had that same feeling when I was about to walk. Cause I was like, I, I rehearsed in my head, like for weeks, like, what's it going to be like to walk for the first time? How are my legs going to feel? How's my, you know, pelvis going to feel, which is broken and all these other things. And it was just like that super excitement of like, this is going to happen one way or another. I might fall on my face. It might go well, it might go medium. I don't really know, but I'm jumping out of the plane. So, you know, put my wheelchair there and let's see what happens. So, um, it, it, it was like, it was, yeah, it, it's odd how, uh, past things in your life help you go through, you know, other things in your life. Like I say, skydiving saved my life and it almost took it too, but, um, uh, I wouldn't be the same person unless I, unless I was a skydiver. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Man. And, and I think that's such a great way of looking at when I, the one time I went skydiving, I tell people about when they open up the door and it's like, what are we doing? Like, why, why am I doing this? This makes absolutely no sense. But it was one of the most incredible experiences. Longest 60 seconds. One of the most incredible experiences <laughs> of my life. And I think you do a great job of making that analogy between, hey, this was, this was my skydive for you know the longest time leading up to it. You were so excited for that moment. You were so excited to get back to just doing that thing that you love doing. It's as simple as walking, right? And again, it's humbling and it brings new light, new experience. I'm sure when you wake up every day, it's it's a little different than it was before. And I think that's the important part. And at least acknowledging and understanding that uh, is, is, is one of the more important things. So kudos and congratulations to you for that, man. And so with those experiences, like how much did you lean on being a skydiver, being an outdoor enthusiast, being an athlete growing up to really help contribute to getting back to where you were, the, the discipline, the, the uh, persistence, all these things that we learn through sports that you're then able to say like, okay, now I'm going to take that to just, you know, getting back to quote unquote normal. Oh yeah. It was, it, it, it contributed a huge um, part to, to recovery. Um, you know, when I woke up from the coma, a few minutes after that, my dad was at my bedside and he said, you know, this is going to be just like one of your races. And, it, and, and I was halfway out of it on whatever, you know, medications they had me on. So I wasn't, but I remember him saying that. And at that point, I didn't even know what my injuries were because I had just woken up. And I, like I said, I blacked out when I hit the building. And, and my thought was like, no matter what happened to me, whatever it is, it's fixable without knowing what's wrong. Cause he would probably wouldn't have said that unless it, it was. So I was like, okay, so all I, what I need to do is work really hard, do the things I've done before and, you know, I'm going to get to some point, No, what the point is, who knows, but you'll never know what you can get to unless you put a hundred percent of your energy and thousands of hours and things like that to get into it. So, um, the way I, I really, uh, equate it to is, so I've done, you know, lots of triathlons prior to, to the accident and like Ironman triathlon, you know, 2.4 mile swim, 112 on the bike. Uh, marathon run. So we used to train for that. It would be like 10 months of training in, in this block. And, um, you know, you're nowhere near where you need to be on the race day, 10 months earlier, and you build it up little by little every day. Like the, the, the changes in your body are so small that it's hard even to measure on a daily basis. Um, but you know, there are changes happening and, um, you're cranking up the intensity, you're cranking up the volume month by month by month to meet it. There's some days you go through the training and you're just like, 
how am I ever going to get to, you know, that race day? Because I felt terrible today. And that was like a fraction of what the race is. And then there's some days where you're just like, I'm killing it today. And, but either way, it's like, put your head back down and keep going because race day is still five months away. And what you do today doesn't matter towards race day. Um, and you know, you test yourself once in a while in the process to see where you're at. Hey, do you, do you need to make changes? Do you, you know, is your training going well? Is it, you know, you know, do you need more sleep? All these, all these factors that are going into it. So, uh, you know, a, a week, weeks ago, I was talking to one of my friends and I, and I kind of said, you know, I feel like I had an unfair advantage in recovery in that I had all these tools and I knew what it was like to go to, you know, a low fitness level or nowhere near race ready to race ready. And it was kind of like, I was never certainly broken like this before, but it was the same mentality. It was like an obsessive mentality. It was like, you know, especially when I got home for the hospital, it was like eight to 10 hours a day, seven days a week. And if I wasn't rehabbing, I was reading about rehabbing, trying to figure out other things that I could do better or talking to the, the physical therapist or the doctor. And it's like, you know, um, similar to how you do a, a travel, you know, an Ironman, it's like, you're obsessed. And it's just like, that's how you're going to do it. So you put your head down and just keep going. And then at the end, you're just like, well, did I make the goal? Did I not? You're never going to know unless you put all the work in. Yep. Race day. You got to wait. You got to wait for that one day. And, um, that's awesome, man. I, I didn't realize you were running Ironman triathlons. I, I that's a that's a whole nother level of yeah. triathlon. So this whole time you've been, you know, I've been thinking a you know quote unquote normal triathlon, but no, you're doing these ultra super high endurance events, and I think that makes it even the, the analogy even better because you're right. You're going the the amount the ten months as you said to get from point A to to race day. It's every single day. It's such minuscule and small amounts. I'm sure during your recovery, that's what it felt like too, right? As you said, like every single day is like I don't feel any different. The doctor's like, no, 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 you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. You're going to get there. And then I'm sure a month later you can look back and be like, wow, I've come significantly farther. And then maybe there's some down days along the way, but six months out, seven months out, you're able to say, holy shit, like we're, we're kind of getting close to this thing. We're actually, you know, race day's right around the corner. This, the date's not changing. As you said before, you have to wait for that day. And when that day comes is it, it is, it is what you have to do. And so I think that's an awesome analogy again. And so with that, you said you ran a triathlon one day before the year mark of the accident, was that an Ironman? That wasn't an Ironman. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> I was say, that would have been absolutely. Well, you should not be on my show. You should be on ESPN. No offense to my show. <laughs> you should be somewhere else. But that's okay. <laughs> no, I definitely wasn't that far along that I could have done an Ironman at that point. It was it was uh, uh, an Olympic distance, which is like uh, 0.9 mile swim, 30 mile bike, and, and 6.2 mile run. And um, yeah, it, it was it was quite difficult, and I went quite slow. But um, you, you know, finished? that wasn't the point at the end. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, kudos and congratulations. What was, I guess, at what point did you, you know, as you said, the doctor said you might not be able to run again. At what point did you realize yeah. and say, hey, like, not only do I think I'll be able to run again, I think I'll be able to do a complete a triathlon, whatever the numbers may be. At what point did you put that thought into the back of your head? Like, how far along in the rehab are you to the point where you're like, well, now I have a new goal. I want to, prior to the one-year mark, I want to run an entire triathlon. How, how do you even conjure that up and then how do you start to i guess execute on that idea sure well the idea of the triathlon came about uh, a week after waking up from the coma so um i i, I woke up you had these real quiet nights in, in the hospital and you're just by yourself a lot and you know when you're laying in bed you kind of especially when you're highly medicated you're in and out 
of sleeping or passing out or whatever you want to call it um because there's so much noise and i was just laying there and i'm just like and who knows maybe i was wasn't even t- totally with it but i came up with the idea and i and i said you know what's recovery mean to me and i knew i was it was like 20 broken bones five organs that had to be fixed and i'm just like well what do i consider back right and i'm just like well, I had done, I, I had the connection to triathlon. I knew how to do it. So I'm just like, well, it, you know, that meant my arm worked, my leg worked, my heart worked if I could do a triathlon. So, I mean, that went to the background for a while because there was tons of pain and tons of everything else that went with, with rehab. Uh, and then picking it up, uh, I'm at home um, recovering and uh, the doctor, so I go for a follow-up on my, on my legs and my pelvis because Originally, I wasn't fully healed when they allowed me to start walking, but they said um, it'll do it'll help you heal more if you put some weight on the on the not fully completely healed bones. So I go back and the doctor finally says, "Okay, you're you're fully healed with the bones. And I said, well, can I run? What that doctor didn't know was three months earlier when they first cleared me to to walk. My first question to that doctor was, well, how much longer before I get to run again? Because I knew in the back of my head I was doing the triathlon. I just didn't tell anybody else because I didn't want those those looks of like, yeah, you you know, tap on the head or, oh, you'll I'm sure you'll do it someday. I was like, mm, I'm doing it. You know, I'm definitely doing it. It's not some pipe dream. It's going to happen. Um and uh, so that so the first doctor's one who was like, he looked at me, he was like, like that wasn't a logical question that you should be asking me as the second question after like, can you, I'm allowing you to walk for the first time. And he looked at, he's like, eh, you may never run. So advanced to three months, the second doctor who did my leg, cause I had a couple of orthopedic surgeons. He's like, he didn't know what the other doctor said, but he was like, I mean, you could run if you want, I guess. It's not going to feel like your real leg. I was like, wow, this guy's a super motivational speaker. Luckily, he's a great surgeon. But maybe he actually was a genius because he just told me what I wanted to hear that he didn't think was going to happen. So I was like, all right. So I'm driving home from that doctor's office. And on the way home, I'm like, you know what's going to happen when I get home? I'm putting the running shoes on. And I thought about that doctor three months earlier that said, you might never run again. I was like, well, we're going to see today. And uh, so I get home, put the running shoes on. And, and I mean, it was more like a wobble or a waddle. It wasn't running. My body was just so tight in the lower body, but it was more than a walk. And I was like, all right, that's day one. Day two, we go another 50 feet. You know, it was only 50 feet on day one. It wasn't like some, you know, I'm going to go run a mile. It was like, nah, 50 feet was enough. And I was like, okay, 50 feet every, every day I'm going to go. And then uh, a couple weeks after that, um, I'm keep keeping doing the running workouts and instead of 30 seconds at a time, I'm doing like 50 seconds at a time and I'm running outside. And, um, so I was like, man, what are, what do I think? So I guess to back up originally, I said it was going to be two years before I raced. So this is before the year. And I go, Hmm. I was like, what am I capable of this year? Cause I need, I'm always like a goal oriented person. So I want something, a carrot ahead that I'm going for. If you're just not going for anything, it's like, well, how much rehab is enough or where am I enough? It's like, well, the race is like, there's a start time, there's a start stop time, you either make it or you don't, you make the, you know, so it, it's like a, an, an absolute. And I want an absolute of, 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 of what I can get to. So then I thought, I was like, okay, maybe I'll do a stroke and stride. And a stroke and stride is, um, it, by the by the uh, reservoir right where I live, it's like a practice after work tr- uh, to swim in the open water in a lake, which is different from swimming in a pool because you have to navigate, pick your head up and all that kind of thing. And then there's a 5K run afterwards. So I was about three months out from that. And I was like, well, I think I could maybe that that's a hard to do, but I think I could do that. 
And uh, I finally get clearance on a, on a second surgery I had on my elbow that week. And I was like, okay, I could start swimming again. So uh, I talked to my mom uh, on the phone and usually I wouldn't tell her exactly what I was doing because she was always worried I was going to break myself again. So I'd like do things for a while that were new and then break it to her. And then she's like, you're going to hurt yourself. Like, yeah, but I've been running for a couple weeks. So, you know, I'm not getting hurt yet. So, uh, and I never kind of understood like why she was so concerned. I'd be granted besides crashing into a building at a high rate of speed, but you know, I thought she was just being my mom, which is, which is understandable. And, um, well, and she, she goes on in this conversation to say, well, the reason I'm so concerned about you is because, you know, a week after you woke up from that coma, they, they took us aside and told you what the, told us what the prognosis was. They're like, you're not going to walk for at least six months, or he's not going to walk for six months. Now they never told me any of this. And they're like, you're not going to go back to work for at least a year. So they never told me that. So I always assumed I was, I should be healing way faster than I was. I thought I was like way behind. I was like, I'm a terrible healer, but apparently I was going way faster than I should have been able to. Yeah. So, so I was like, wait a minute. If they, if they said six months was when I was supposed to walk, well, I walked in three. Then I was like, they told me I wasn't going to go back to work for a year. I went back in seven months. So I was like, I predicted two years for this triathlon. I was like, I'm not waiting two years. I'm going to do it this year. Uh, so I, I, uh, there was a race I had done in June um, years before, like, I think it was like seven years before. And I was like, that takes place in June. And I look it up on the computer when I get home from that running workout and I go, Oh, wait a minute. That happens one day short of the year anniversary. And all of a sudden I just get obsessed with the one year anniversary and like, Oh, they couldn't, t- they told me I couldn't do this. I couldn't do this. So I'm going to, I'm going to show that what I can do. And I had three months to train and I was coming from like, you know, level zero in terms of fitness. Cause you're laying in the bed for so long, your heart, you know, um, uh, is not in shape. It, so it takes a while for you to come back. But I was just like, okay. And I had no idea whether I could do it or not, or whether it was even realistic. I really didn't care because it was, there was the one only way I could find out was if I signed up and did it. It's like, put your money where your mouth is. Like I said, I'm going to do it. I put my, I put my money out there. Race day is coming. So I better get, I better get going. So I never knew I was going to be able to do it. till I, you know, showed up and did it. I love that, man. I, I think the, 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 uh, being two times as fast at recovery, it turns out, is, is pretty important to the story, right? The fact that, you know, they said six months, you, you, you started walking in three. You know, go back to work in 12, you're working seven. I think that, that, that piece of it, when your mom told you, she told you at the perfect time, right, to allow yeah. you to say, wait a second, so I'm actually doing really well at this, so what else can I do? And as you said, you always kind of needed that coal, that carrot, to be able to go after. And it's like, hey, why not? One year, one year, the day before. What a great, what a perfect day to culminate that 365 days, right? You unfortunately have the accident day one, and you 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 run that race on day 365, and then you can start over anew uh, when when the calendar turns again there. So I think that that part is absolutely fantastic. And so you're, you're able to run this triathlon. Mm-hmm. Kudos and congratulations. As you said, maybe not your best time, but that's not the point of the triathlon. The point is to see and push yourself and sure. do it and prove people wrong <laughs> and make you feel a lot better about it. When when did you decide? I know we kind of spoke about it a little bit, but when did you decide? I want to put pen to paper, and I want to tell other people this story, and I want to give people the opportunity if anyone is struggling with anything, kind of a comparison to say, "Hey, I was able to struggle with this." I'm sure, what you're going through is very important, and it is a lot. Everyone's struggles are different, but here's some ways that maybe you can get through this with me while on my journey and what I went through as well. Yeah. So, um, 
when we're talking about you know purpose and and I I kind of thought you know I'm gonna you know volunteer at a, at a hospital and and um, you know speak to people about you know what I went through and and hopefully how that it can help them and then I was at a um, a speaking engagement and I finished up and um, someone came up to me afterwards and said you know my friend's really struggling you know they don't even leave their house uh, and you know. Um, you know, I, I said, I'll, you know, go visit them if you want. And they said, no, they won't even answer their door to let you in. Um, and uh, I, I kind of felt like um, I was missing something because I thought just speaking to people at speaking engagements was the path to help people. And you realize, or that day I realized, I said, you know, it's only going to help someone who actually is there. Maybe there's people struggling at home that could benefit from the message that or hopefully benefit from the message that, that aren't there or don't know about it or, you know, um, and, and they asked me, they're like, well, do you have anything that has your message on? It? And I said, I, man, I, I don't. And, um, I really, on the drive home that day, I was like, man, if I have to be doing more because if I'm missing the people that I'm, that my whole goal is to help, then I'm not doing enough. It's, it's my responsibility to do, take it another step or do something else or, um, find a way that I'm not contributing in the way I should be contributing. So uh, I went home and said, well, it, you know, it's time to, I guess if I had a book or something to give them, it could potentially help them and they could have read it in their own time when they wanted to. Um, so I, I, I kind of went home and within a couple days, I just got out of my computer and, and started typing and kind of had the outline from the speech and, and kind of went from there. That's awesome that you realize that. I think that's extremely important. As you said, you know, you're you're doing the right thing by speaking. You're doing the right thing by getting in front of people, but then realizing that there's so many more people that you're not going to be able to get in front of, right? You're not Tony Robbins yet. You're not on TV. Um, you know, unfortunately yet we'll get you there one day. You're, you're doing great here, so I see no reason why you can't be on TV <laughs> soon, Jason. But I think it's really important for people to understand that you were able to take advantage of that situation, and now you have this opportunity. Now you have something to give to someone, right? Anyone that's at the event, take a book, right? And then give it to somebody else so that they can understand this message too. And I think that's a great way of doing it. What was the book writing process like? Did you always want to write a book? Was it difficult? Was it kind of hard for you to be able to put all the all the thoughts in correct order and, you know, kind of jump around. I remember when I wrote my book, not a big deal. Um, uh, it was a lot of fun when I got to do it and it was really cool and I enjoyed it, but it was a very difficult process to do. So how, how were you able to get through this and really conjure up a, a coherent idea and message as you've been talking about to get people to understand what you went through and what they're going through isn't, you know, and the, the end of the world and they can come through it too. Yeah. So I think I had been unknowingly writing it for a while now, because originally when I, when, when I, I, I was preparing for speaking engagements, it was, you know, I wrote everything. Basically, I, tr I, I, I spent a couple weeks and just sat down and wrote everything that I could potentially remember from the hospital. And really, there were things I th for, didn't remember that were kind of rekeyed in my mind the more I wrote. I kind of just sat there quiet and just write, 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 and then I'd go for a walk, and then all of a sudden another thought would come to me about something that that probably I hid away for some good mental reason <laughs> uh, so I didn't have to relive it again. And um, so I kind of had an outline of the book already, and um, I kind of just sat down and, um, you know, it, it was like – 
totally in the moment is is how I, I describe it and and somewhat similar to you know a skydive where it's like the only thing that matters is this second nothing beh- behind it matters nothing ahead of it matters just this very second and i would and 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 that's kind of how i wrote i was just like completely uh in the moment while i was writing and i would just write and write and write as much as i could and and just get it out and then go and then you're just like deep breath it's over for tonight so i kind of just sat down for a couple hours every night and just kept on writing and writing till it was over and and you know similar to be obsessive about iron man or anything else it was just like keep writing it till it's done and I, i'm not you know stopping until i finish it um because you know it it it, it was not easy to write just because you get finished and you're reliving like really dark things that you went through that were super tough. So you're reliving those darkest moments every single day. Um, and I get finished and I'd go, I'd go, why, why do I seem to be in a bad mood every time I finish writing? Uh, and, and, and I'm a little bit down. And, and, and after a couple of weeks, I go, uh, I, you're, well, you're reliving the work, you know, the hardest thing you ever went through in your entire life. And uh, so, yeah, but, but it, if it was worth it, it, to me, I'm willing to go through that if it helps someone else. So exactly. it is what it is. Yeah, you seem like I'm a good very with good that. person uh, in that sense that you're willing to go through that. And not only, you know, speech-wise, right, but writing that down, as you said, reliving some of the worst parts of your life to try and help others. So what is the goal of the book? How are you, exactly are you trying to help others? Yeah, it's, it, you know, it, it's... <laughs> It's talking about things I probably would not have talked about before the accident. And what I mean by that is, you know, sometimes you're you're unwilling or, or maybe to very few people um, kind of confide in things you're struggling with. And in the book, uh, you know, I, I talk through the the process of, you know, there was it wasn't like I just woke up from the coma and I'm ready to rehab and everything's great. And every day is a smile on my face. And because that's not the that's not the reality of it, man. It, it, there were there were really tough times. There were there were days where, you know, I I, I was like, I don't I'm not sure I'm going to ever get back to this. I mean, there, there were there were days where, you know, the therapist would come in. And my left arm was was uh, was from um, shoulder to, to wrist uh, in a cast, and it was removable because I had an incision there too. And they would take it off, and they'd move my arm. I mean, only an inch, and forcibly move it an inch. And I was a verge of passing out from the pain. And uh, I like she would leave, and I would go, man, moving my arm an inch. And I was, you know, I'm on the verge of passing out. I was like, how am I going to get everything else to work? I was like, this is horrible. I mean, is, is the, probably the most horrible pain I was through was when they would move my, my arm. So there was doubts. There were, there weren't, there weren't like, hey, this is all, you know, this is great every day. It wasn't like, it, like I had to hit bottom uh, before I, I started coming back. And, and you know, part of it was th- there was, I was putting so much pressure on myself to like, I, I, I don't know what, what I was thinking. Like I was going to all of a sudden spring up and start walking and being okay. And like, that wasn't a reality. And I, and I had to give myself permission to go, you just have to get this much better every day. And that's what comes to racing and things like that. And you go, you can't get, you can, you're not jumping up and, and, and going to all of a sudden walk. Like that's not in the cards. That's not possible. You just, and I was like, I gave myself permission to get a little bit better. And, you know, I struggle through guilt, too, because, you know, I'm the one who jumped out of the plane. No one told me to jump out of the plane. And, and 
jumping out of planes is amazing and doing it that many times and you learn a whole lot and it's not about adrenaline. Maybe the first few are about adrenaline. There's way more to learn about skydiving than just adrenaline. But I'm the one who decided and I got hurt and a lot of other people had to pay for my decision because I can't imagine what it must have been like, you know, when my family got the call said, your son's in a coma, you better fly out to Denver because he might not live another day. You know, when my friend who was, who was my emergency contact, I mean, she got the call and she couldn't even walk. She had to get her sister to drive her to the hospital. She was the first person on scene. Uh, and, and the chaplain came up to her and, and, and to, to visit, to, um, bring her up to the room and she thought I was dead. She thought I died by the time from the call to when she got to the hospital. And he explained to her, no, no, I just need to prepare you for what you're about to see because what you're about to see is going to be disturbing. Um, and that was hard to go through. I mean, and when you're laying in bed and not being able to move for 10 weeks, there's not much you can think about other than the pain is the guilt. And, you know, my parents were sitting next to me and I'm just like, I feel horrible looking at them because I feel so guilty. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it was it was it was talking about things I ordinarily wouldn't talk about, and and usually anybody who I mean, pre-accident, anyone could ask me about anything I ever went through, and I would be happy to talk to them about it. But I I wasn't someone who'd volunteer to talk about that. I kept things really close. But um, when you go through it, you kind of say to yourself. If I don't share what I went through to help other people, then what I went through is a complete waste and dies with me. And there's a responsibility that you go through when you go through a, 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 an accident and, and near-death experience that you owe something. It, it doesn't come free. And I, and I want that. And it's a responsibility that I'm willing to take on and I want to take on. Um, because, yeah, lots of people are struggling out there for, with, with whatever it is and you know, I've, I kind of just feel like if, if, if I'm selfish and don't share it, then it was, it was a waste for me to go through it. So. Well, thank you for that. Um, I want to make sure you feel some gratitude coming from my way. I think it's extremely important for you to come to terms with that. Right. And, and be able to say, Hey, like this, not that it would be a waste. Let's be, you know, uh, let me say that. I don't think it would be a waste if you didn't, you know, share this story and help others, but it makes it so much more impactful. It makes it so much more important in the grand scheme of things in your life and in others that you are willing to share this story and willing to talk to people and have that conversation, go up on stage and relive this experience over and over again, write that story and relive all of these experiences through, you know, written word. And as you said, every single night you're in a really bad mood. It's like, Oh yeah. Well, because I'm talking about all the things that were really terrible, but I am very much a positive person. I hate negativity. And the fact that you were able to take something as negative as practically dying and turning it into an opportunity and a positive experience, not only for yourself, but for those around you and for people you'll never, ever, ever meet and allow them to understand what you went through so that they could potentially make themselves 1% better every day. I want to say thank you, Jason, for doing that because I think that's extremely commendable. And I think that is that is one of the better things that you could possibly do. And yes, it makes it probably a little bit easier for you to sleep at night knowing it wasn't all a waste. Um, it makes that so much so much sweeter now that you've come out this other side and you're able to now do all the things that you love doing and be able to give so much more on top of it. So thank you, Jason. No worries, man. I, I say it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, I re- and I say that 100%. I, I'm better because I went through uh, the crash and everything else and what it, you know, forced me to do reassess life. 
think about loved ones I wasn't spending enough time with, um, give me a new purpose where I felt like I was really lacking purpose of, um, in life. So, uh, it, it happened right at the right time is what I say that, you know, that wind hit me at the right time or wrong time, right time. I say the right time at 150 feet off the ground and, uh, um, I'm, I'm better for going through all this. So, um, I, I, I feel amazingly blessed to, to be able to go through an experience like this. No such thing as a coincidence. I don't believe in them. So, yes, everything does happen mm-hmm. at the exact time for an <laughs> exact reason. So, um, well, I mean, we've talked about your story. You've talked about the book a little bit. I'm sure you go significantly deeper into the story and a lot of the other things. Where, uh, where can we buy the book? Where, where, is it, where is it about? Sure. If you, I mean, if you want to go on my website, jasondenon.com, uh, I'll sign it for you. I'll put a message in there for you, specific to you. So if you want to go there, you could also go to barnesandnoble.com and amazon.com. It's on there. Um, so, you know, whatever is easiest for you, but uh, I will sign it if you send it to me. And, che- you know, if you want to check out my website, see all the social media links and where I'm speaking and where I'm appearing and all those types of things, um, you know, go for it. I love that. I'm gonna make. Sure, I'm gonna go out uh, out on a limb here and say you probably make more money when the book is ordered from your website. Am I frozen or are you frozen? I think you're. I think you froze yeah. for a second. Am I back? Okay. I'm gonna go yeah. out on a limb and say you probably make more money when the book is ordered directly from your website. <laughs> that's true okay cool that is true I'll put all the links down there but i'm gonna put that one first just in case and then that way people can get it signed from you so how perfect is that so i think that's awesome man i'll put everything in the show notes for everyone on in the description on youtube for anyone to check that out i think it's, it's really important and fantastic i'm extremely excited as well to receive my copy which uh i, I should be expecting here in the next couple days so it should be a lot saturday i think it's saturday, saturday. yeah go. um perfect man well thank you so much um anything else i mean this was awesome Really appreciate your time. Time's the only thing we don't get more of. And if I'm saying that to someone like yourself, I say that at every episode, but I think it means maybe just a little bit more to you. Time's the only thing we don't get more of. So I really appreciate yours today, Jason. I appreciate the entire audience for checking this out and listening a little bit more. But other than that, man, hope you have a great rest of your day. I appreciate it. You too. Thanks for having me on. I greatly appreciate it. Um, yeah, the, I had a great day. You may, you're the highlight of my day, so I appreciate it. You're the highlight of mine, Jason. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Bye.